Do me a favor, turn to your neighbor to your right, tell them you, were, you are made for greatness. Some of you guys said that with frowns, oh my goodness. Turn to your other neighbor to your left and with a big smile on your face, tell them you were made for greatness. <laughs> yes. Now, doesn't it feel good, yeah, to hear from people around us saying that we were made for greatness, amen? And that is absolute truth. That is the word of God. That is the word of God over every single one of our lives that we are called by God to live out great lives here on earth. And I'm, I've just been so blessed by this series, even though this is just the second week that we've been in it. It's called Made for Greatness. Obviously, we've been talking about that already. And what we've been doing in this series so far and what we'll continue to do throughout the rest of this series is look at the life of Joseph. Joseph is this man in the Old Testament in the Bible, a young man actually, and we talked about this last week, but God gave him a great dream, a grand dream. Young people should have great dreams for their life. God gave him a dream that he would be used by God to be a great leader of his people, to save nations from famine. Like there was greatness in this young man. What we also looked at last week was that greatness was immediately challenged. He immediately faced opposition, obstacles, trials, and circumstances that would test whether or not Joseph would be faithful to God and continue to live out the life of greatness that God had for him. We talked about last week, the very people that opposed him were his very own brothers. They were jealous of him. They were envious of him. They threw him in a, in a pit. They wanted to kill their brother. And then they decided to sell him off into slavery. It's crazy that our dreams that God has given us, the destiny, the calling, and the purpose that God's word says every single one of us has will be immediately challenged over the course of our lifetime. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. That's truth. Right then and there. Fallen people, we're fallen ourselves. But as we talked about or as we sang about during worship, Christ is our firm foundation. Amen. And sometimes... It's not just in the mountaintops of our life and our circumstances and situations where we understand the greatness of God and the greatness that God wants to reveal in and through us. Sometimes it's in the valleys. It's in the hardships and it's in trials because in those moments we have nothing else to rely on except our amazing God, our firm foundation. And we're going to be unpacking Joseph's life a little bit more. This is part two of this series, part two of the story of Joseph. We're going to be reading a lot of passage from the book of Genesis, chapter 39, 23 verses in all and some supplemental verses and uh, passages after that. But I want to encourage us to engage with the word of God. Let the word of God engage us and let God's spirit with the people of God around us just create an atmosphere for God's word to come deep. Because although we will be challenged in this life in terms of living out our God-given calling and purpose, our God is faithful. He'll reveal the why of the valley and really, the valleys in our life are really just lead-ins to the mountaintops. And the greatest mountaintop that we will ever witness and see and experience is eternity in heaven. So I know some of us are like, man, my life has just been hard for so long. There's purpose in that pit. There's purpose in those prisons that sometimes we experience. And why? Because God is with us. It's the same way that God was with Joseph. And that's this interesting thing with uh, chapter 39 of Genesis, it talks about how God was with Joseph in the beginning in his promotion and how God was in his imprisonment as well. And we need to see ourselves that way too, that even if we're in the valley, the valley or the mountaintop, God is with us. He's there, he's present, and he wants to do great things in and through us for our good and his glory. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Your word reveals so much truth. And I pray that we would be people that would hold on to your word 
God, I pray that we wouldn't hold on to the things that we've accomplished or the things that we've gained or our popularity, our notoriety. Those are good things. But those things can't save us from our hardships and trials. God, only you can. So we pray that there would be such a lifting, God, in this place. That as your word speaks to us and we speak to the word, Lord, that it would just do something. That we would leave here knowing that no matter what we're going through, there is still greatness ahead. Because you are with us. The same way you were with Joseph is the same way you want to be with us. Among us, present in everything we experience and go through. So we thank you for this evening in Jesus' name. We all said, amen. Number one in your notes goes like this. God has a great calling. Everyone say calling. A great calling over our lives and provides. Everyone say provides. God provides what we need to fulfill it. So we're going to be talking again about Joseph. And we're going to realize that while he was sold into slavery, there was actually some blessings that came out of that. He began to start to witness and see God's favor upon his life. And although he was saved into enslavement to this dude named Potiphar, who was like one high up official in, the, in Egypt at the time, God began to be God and things started to work out for Joseph's good and for God's glory. So verses one to six, it's pretty long, but God's word is very long. It's eternal. Amen. So bear with us and let's dive in together. Now Joseph has been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Here's the key line. The Lord was with Joseph. And Joseph became a successful man. And he was with, in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house. This is Pharaoh to Joseph. He made Joseph the overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Not Potiphar's, not Pharaoh's, but for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and field, so he left all that he had with Joseph in his charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. It was the only thing he was concerned about because this Joseph who had this thriving relationship with God was successful in all that he had, successful in all he did. But just a few moments, literally right before we got to this place of promotion, Joseph stuck in a pit, potentially going to be killed by his menacing brothers and then sold into slavery. Isn't that crazy that after a literal valley or a pit, God was still with Joseph. And as Joseph began to trust God and honor, honor God, knowing that ultimately God would be glorified and that dream that he had would, had would one day still be fulfilled, in his enslavement, he began to experience success. God did that for Joseph, not for anyone else. What we can take from this first volley from Genesis 39 is there's many of us here who feel like we're still in that pit. We've still been wronged by people. We've still been wronged by circumstances and situations. Maybe there was a moment in your life where you had great faith for yourself. Or God spoke to you a great word of encouragement or a promise or a miracle or a blessing that he said, son and daughter, you will fulfill this in your lifetime. And maybe we're like months off, years off. For some of us, maybe even decades off from that promise being said. And we're like, God, where is that? God is still with you right now. Just because we're not seeing 
the blessings. It doesn't mean he's not present with you in the valley. But there's something about the valley that can develop faith that no mountaintop can. Many of us, we need to embrace the season we're in. There's blessings to come. That's God's promise over our lives. But do we trust him in the valley? Joseph did. He was betrayed by his own blood, his own brothers. I'm sure he wrestled with God. God, how can I fulfill this great calling to be an amazing leader for you and for your people? How can I do that? God probably told him, be faithful right where you are as a, as a slave. And he was. And he was successful. And Potiphar realized that and seen it. And he gave favor to Joseph. Why? Because God was with Joseph there. The same way God is with all of us. The crazy thing, though, is that along with us experiencing valley moments in our life where we question God, there's many times that we receive the blessing of God and we immediately forget that God was the one that gave it to us. Isn't that true? There's so many times, right, we get blessings and breakthrough. God provided for my health. God provided for the things I prayed for, the people I prayed for, my work, my job, my this, my that. God made a way. And then right when he does, we run away from God. We stop reading the word. We stop engaging in prayer. The crazy thing about moments of victory is the most vulnerable times is the moments right after those victories because we let our guard down. We engage with God a little bit less. And that's how the enemy works. And we're going to actually see in Joseph, man, I got out of the pit, I got promoted, and he's going to be immediately tempted right off the bat. But God still had plans. I mean, there was still a promise over his life. And I kind of compare it to like things that we want to achieve in our life. And goals and achievement aren't bad things, but sometimes we put too much emphasis on that, right? I remember there was like this time where I was like, man, I'm going to get in shape. And the reason why I wanted to get in shape was because I was going to get married. And I was like, man, I got to lose weight, you know, because like that's an important day, you know, and I want to look good. I want to feel good. I want to lose weight for that moment. I remember I went all in and I lost a considerable amount of weight, almost 30 pounds. And it didn't come easily. Like that took a lot of time. That took a lot of hard work of cardio. And I do not like cardio, okay? If you do, God bless you. Good for you. Don't like cardio. I had to diet. Didn't like dieting, obviously. You know, like that's not my thing. But I actually achieved the goal that I had set. I had lost the amount of weight that I had hoped. I felt victorious on our wedding day. I was like, I present to you, me. You know, like this is me. After six months of, of working towards this, you know, that was a victory. But you know when I was most vulnerable? <laughs> was the day of, the day after, the honeymoon after, and three years later up until today. The most vulnerable. I don't even know the last time I considered a diet, the last time I considered working out as a rhythm of life. I experienced a victory, and then immediately I was vulnerable to going back to how things were. God doesn't want that for our lives. He doesn't want to bless us with victory, and then we just go back to how we were living before. The real prison of life, the real pit of life is a world not connected to God, and that's our lives. That's not God's plan. But still, Joseph experienced the temptation, the obstacles, the pushback. The promotion came, and the opposition came harder. Point number two in your notes, Satan's goal is to tempt and distract us 
from our God-given calling. There are, there's a real reason why we have moments of our life where we love God so much and we're on fire for God. And there's a real reason why those fire moments or those passionate moments or those just times that we're so connected with God dissipate and disappear. There's a very real enemy out there that doesn't want us to live our God-given calling and purpose. There's a very real enemy that wants us to live life that's addicted to our hardships, addicted to our trials, addicted to things that we cope with. Treating people poorly, being greedy, manipulative, violent, angry, like those things aren't of God. But there's a very real enemy named Satan out there that doesn't want us to live lives that are life-giving and life-transforming. That display the love of God to our family members and our co-workers and our friends. He's out there. And the crazy thing in this whole turning away from God, it's usually not very immediate. It's like a little tick there, a little tick there, a little tick there, a little compromise there, a little compromise there, a little compromise there, a little sin there, sin there, sin there. And all of a sudden, instead of being heading towards God, we're heading completely in a different track, the way that the enemy would want. And there's no condemnation because that's life. We live in a fallen world. We're fallen people. And God's grace is made new every day. But again, we're going to look at how Joseph responded to a moment where he could have easily been tempted to be baited by the enemy of God. Now Joseph, oh, this is verses 6 to 12, by the way. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this to great wickedness and sin against God? Crazy thing, not sin against Potiphar, but sin against God. I thought that was real beautiful, really beautiful wording from Joseph. He didn't want to sin against God more so than he didn't want to sin against Potiphar. Why? Because God was with him and he was the source of everything that he had. This is God's word. And as he spoke to Joseph, and she, and it wasn't just that one time, check this out. She spoke to Joseph day after day. He would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Why? Because it would dishonor God. This one compromising moment where he could have maybe even made it farther than he could if he didn't sin. Maybe he would have received more favor somehow, some way through her. Maybe it would have been pleasurable. Maybe this would have been an ongoing thing. Who knows? He didn't do it. He didn't go that route. He ran. He fled. He left his clothes in her hand. He wanted nothing to do with something that would dishonor God. He was unwilling to take one tick away from the purpose and the destiny and the calling that God had made him for greatness. Do we live with that same kind of conviction? That's... Something we all have to ask ourselves. The enemy's coming. He's coming on the mountaintop. He's coming in, in the valley. He's going to tempt us to turn from God and just live in ways that would dishonor him. But many of us here, we love God. We're grateful for his love, his, his mercy, his forgiveness. 
his blessings and his provision. We were the ones in the pit before God came into our life. How are we going to respond when we're in the mountaintops? Are we just going to coast and live life and just kind of flow with whatever comes our way like Potiphar's wife? Or are we going to live in a conviction that I don't want to dishonor God? So I can choose to be angry and then punch someone's face. I could choose to be greedy and manipulate people's money. I could choose to be lustful and engage someone that's not my spouse. Do we want to do that with the blessings that God has given us? Or can we be like Joseph, so convinced that God was with him in everything that he did and was a source of everything that he did, that when the temptation came time and time and time and time and time again, he didn't stay, he ran. He ran. And we can look at that, oh, he ran? That's such a cowardly thing to do. Like, no, that was the God-honoring thing to do. Like, what if he actually did it and God was like, what did you do? Well, I was like... She asked, you know, like, I'm sorry. So we're like that with God. Son, why'd you do that? Be because it happened. Like, that's just not a good excuse, you know. It's a common excuse, but it's not a good one. By God's grace, we can actually flee from the enemy's schemes and continue to walk in God's plans and purposes for our life. I had a moment similar to this, or maybe not super similar to this, but like something that I can relate to when it comes to this passage. I was 18 years old. I was in California for my older cousin's wedding. Um, I, was, I looked up to this particular cousin. You know, like when you're like the younger cousin, you have older cousins that you kind of want to be like. If, I didn't have older brothers, so my older cousins became, you know, my role models in many ways. And they're great people. We were in California. Uh, they were in their late or mid-30s. I was 18. So you can see there's a pretty big gap in terms of age. And honestly, I wanted to impress my cousins every time, right? So like anytime I would talk with them or see, with, see them, whether they came to Hawaii, we went, we went up to California. I always talk about like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this in school. This is what I want to do with my life. Like this is how much money I have. Like look, 10 bucks in my wallet. You know, like just like living my best life when I'm with them, right? Because I wanted their, you know, approval and all that kind of stuff, right? And this was like the night before the wedding day. And all of the cousins went out. And again, I'm the youngest, 18 years old. And I've been following Christ at the time for four years. Actually, three years. Because I got saved at 15. So three years. And I'm there. And I'm like, I'm going to reach my family. All this good stuff. And the night before the wedding, we went out and we did some fun stuff. You know, like we just kind of drove around San Diego, went to some places to eat dinner and all of that kind of thing. And then my oldest cousin, the one that was going to get married, was like, so which strip club are we going to go to? And I was like, oh, we're going to a club with strippers? You know, like it was just like kind of that thing that was going on in my head. And then now, just hear me out. Like there's this wanting to gain the approval of my cousins. Like, I kind of wanted to go so that they didn't think I was a dweeb, okay? No one says dweeb anymore, but in like 2010, that was a thing we said, okay, dweeb. I didn't want to be a dweeb. And then we continue to drive, right? And then I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like, oh my gosh, like, I, I, maybe I just wear sunglasses. Like, there's just like so many things like running through my mind and trying to find a way out of it. And then I remember like maybe about 10 minutes into this drive to whatever place they were going to take us, my oldest cousin was like, hey, Russ, would you be okay with going? Like, I know that you do that church thing and all of that kind of stuff. And then like for a split second, I kid you not, 
I was like, oh, I can tell him it's cool. Like, no, you know, like, I, I don't do that church thing. You know, like, that's just so yesterday, right? And there was that wrestle, like, in that moment, similar to, like, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Like, I was wrestling with whether or not I should do this. I was convinced that wasn't the right thing to do. That wouldn't honor God. That wouldn't honor women. That's just my convictions and my beliefs. If you don't believe that, that's, that's cool. May God continue to just work great in your life as he wants to do in mine. But that was my conviction. I didn't want to go because it wouldn't honor God and wouldn't honor the women there. But I was still trying to find a way to go because I wanted to get approval of my cousins. It's just the reality. And I remember when he asked that, like in a split second, I probably wrestled for like one year's worth of time. And I told my cousins, and I, I, I honestly felt like God's presence just fill, fill me up in that place to just say no. Stand on my convictions. And I, I was so afraid of them teasing me, ragging on me, like just dropping me off in some random place and like leaving me there until they were done with wherever they were going to go. So I was, I was concerned, but I was like, no, like I, I, I actually don't want to go. I just wouldn't feel comfortable. And for me, it wouldn't feel right. I was expecting the worst. And then my cousins looked at me, and, and, or my cousin, my oldest cousin looked at me, and everyone kind of looked at me in the car. It was kind of an intense moment. All eyes were on me. Felt like I was going to get, like, you know, just beaten up emotionally and verbally. And they're like, okay, that's cool. You want to go to Denny's? And I was like, yes, I want to go to Denny's. Take me to Denny's. You know, like, let's go. And we went to Denny's, and I didn't go to the ship club. But you know what? Like, I look back on that, and I'm like, if I compromise then, how would I be living now? You know, like, if I, and, you know, like, that was so long ago, so there, you know, Things could have, God could have used other opportunities to really see where my heart was at. But I remember thinking on my way back to our, the place we were staying at the time, I was like, man, like, if I did that here where no one from, like, my small group wasn't here, my church members weren't here, just because I was away, like, what would I do when I would come back to Hawaii? Would I still try to find ways to get to strip clubs? Would I still try to find ways to do things that I didn't feel was the right thing to do to honor God? Like, it just, it just hit me. Like, this was a pivotal moment for me to say no pivotal moment for me to be convinced that I wanted to honor God before honoring my cousins, before honoring their thoughts about me or their opinions about me. I wanted to honor God. And I know for a fact, when I look back on, like, my season of singleness, the marriage I'm in now, like, I know that that was a pivotal moment back then that allowed the dream of being married today and being in a marriage that is honoring God and honoring of one another in love and truth and grace. Like, that was a pivotal moment for me as an 18-year-old. I think many of us, and I've, I've failed many times too, so I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I think many of us, we need to be aware of those moments where the temptation from the enemy is coming through Potiphar's wife, and we all need to say, no, I want to honor God beyond anything else. He's done all of this great things for me. The least I'd want to do is dishonor him. Amen? And the reality is, yes, we're fallen. Yes, we're broken. Yes, we're not perfect. Yes, God's grace is real. But as God wants to lead us into the mountaintop moments, into the dreams that he has for us, the only thing that can keep us from those things is ourselves. And I pray that we wouldn't be people that would do that. We would be people that would choose to honor God. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you were made for greatness. Number three in your notes. Because we live in a fallen world, though, we will face opposition when we choose to honor God. Everyone say will. We will face opposition. Potiphar ran. 
He did the right, godly, honoring thing. And then he experienced immediate opposition. He was promoted, and now he's about to be imprisoned. Verses 13 to 20. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us, speaking of Potiphar, Potiphar has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by, by her until his master came home. And she told Potiphar the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant Joseph, whom you have brought among us, came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison. Wrongfully put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Joseph did the right thing. And he still got imprisoned for it. I wish I could tell all of us here, if we do the God-honoring, God-loving thing every single time, it'll be perfect. But the reality of a broken world is we can do the right things to honor God. And the opposition will still come at us. It might come through people. It might come through circumstances. It might come through situations, hardships, hardships and trials. Joseph was in a pit, then he got promoted, and then now he's in prison. It's hard. And when I reflect about my story that I shared earlier, I kind of wonder what, if, if I chose to not, or if I, if I did what I did, chose not to go to this, this club or whatnot, and if my cousins got mad at me at that time, if they did persecute me at that time, if they did begin to belittle and condescend me for my faith, because of the decision that I made, would I still feel like I am making the right decision to honor God? Would I still choose in that moment, time and time again, to honor God if I knew the opposition was coming my way? I'd like to say yes, but I also know enough of my life to say maybe not. And that's the reality for all of us. If we base our decisions on life off of God, and his grace, if we're met with adoration or opposition, we're going to get through it. But if we choose to live life through the lens of us being God, time and time again, that pit just gets deeper. That prison just gets darker. Our minds just keep wandering. Our habits keep getting more destructive. Our relationships around us begin to become more and more unhealthy. And then the blessing of God that we're called to be to the people of God and the world around us becomes less and less as what we see in the mirror and more and more like what we see in this world. We're called to reach the world but not be like the world. We can only do that if we lean on to God. And again, we need to remember that in the midst of our pits and in our prisons, those are great opportunities for our faith to be stretched and be strengthened. Everyone say stretched. Say strengthen. I was talking to someone that works out recently. Um, might be one of you here for all I know. And one of the things that they mentioned to me was in order to gain the best strength 
possible from the workouts that you do at the gym, you have to stretch. How many of us here go to the gym? Lift up your hands. More or less, yeah? Okay, keep them up. How many of us take the time to properly stretch? Okay, some of you guys. Great, good for you. You're properly getting the strength that you're believing for. For us that don't stretch, I'm speaking of myself. You can see me at the Kamakana 24-hour fitness. Not stretching, by the way. I'm there, okay? For those of us that don't stretch, we're not allowing, like, our bodies to be able to get wide enough and stretched enough and, like, made in such a way that when we put on those plates and we lift those weights and we go above and beyond to hit our PR, that our body will respond in a way that every single muscle that could be worked will be worked. That's what happens when we properly stretch. We can actually gain the kind of strength to the capacity that we're believing for because of that stretch. Our faith's the same way. When God wants to stretch our faith through trial, through circumstance, through valleys, or maybe even the mountaintops, however our faith is being stretched, it actually strengthens us the proper way in our faith. So for some of us here, myself included, there's areas of our life where like, man, God is stretching me so much. Good. Because he's preparing you for the kind of faith and the kind of strength to carry the weight of the calling of greatness that God has for us, has for you, has for me, has to the person to the left, to the right of you. And again, it's not easy, but it's necessary. I have all these like back problems because I don't stretch. I know that because when I went to get my back like looked at, the person that was checking was like, oh, you work out? I was like, yeah. And then they were like, oh, you don't stretch, yeah? I was like, yeah. You know, like it was just like one of those things. Like they knew like immediately. And they're like, you know, you could prevent all of that if you just properly stretched. A lot of our biggest falls in our faith can be avoided if we just properly stretch as God is stretching us. Amen? That happened to Joseph. That was part of the reason why he ended back up in prison. And we'll continue the story of Joseph because it doesn't end with just this line. But we're actually finishing things off a little bit with this thought about what stretching is. Check out Romans 8.18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This is Apostle Paul writing. And I love this line. It's one of my favorite passages from the Bible. One of my favorite passages, or my, one of my favorite books is Romans. Just read through Romans if you want to read some fire and get like just excited and stoked for God. There's all this encouragement in Romans. I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. And the glory that will be revealed in us is not our glory. It's God's glory, as Joseph said, working in and through us for the world to see how good God is. I know there's a lot of pain. In a room this large, there's pain in here. Some of us, we've lost loved ones this year. Some of us, we're experiencing financial hardship this year. Some of us are wondering if our sons and daughters will come home. Some of us are wondering if our parents are going to make it. Some of us, we're wondering if we're going to make it. Sometimes I've wondered all of those things. But I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory of God that will be revealed in us. Amen? Hang on. God has a plan still. That dream will be fulfilled. Those prayers can happen. We just got to turn to God and not turn to sin. Turn to God and not turn to the things that we thought would give us comfort and enough hope for the next day. 
or at least enough buzz to get through the night. Amen? God has greatness in all of us. And as we close things out tonight, final point in your notes. Despite the opposition, though, God is with us and is faithful to make everything work out for our good and for his glory. Again, we're going to continue on with what happens. Like, this is kind of like a to-be-continued line as we close out tonight. But verses 21 to 23 regarding Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph. This is him in prison now, okay? So the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And I just want to say before we continue on with this, when we first read Genesis um, earlier, how did it begin? It began by saying that the Lord was with Joseph. He was with Joseph when he was promoted to be Potiphar's second in command or Yes, his overseer of, of his home and everything that he had, the military, all that good stuff. The Lord was with him. And then it says later, when talking about the success that he had while he was in prison, it says the Lord was with Joseph in prison. And the Lord was with Joseph when he was promoted. Like I just, and the Lord was with Joseph in the pit. Like that's just crazy to me. He's with Joseph in everything, the highs and the lows and everything in between. And in the prison, he still gave steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The same way that he gave favor in the sight of Potiphar. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. The heck? You know, like the same thing happened again. I got so excited, I lost where I was. Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there in the prison, not in the palace, but in the prison... He was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to him. And anything that Joseph was in charge of because the Lord was with Joseph. And whatever Joseph did, the Lord made it succeed in the prison. Some of us are in the prison tonight. God can still bring steadfast love and favor. God can still do great and wonderful things. And our faith can be stretched and strengthened while we're sitting in a place where we think we don't deserve to be in because of the decisions of other people or the circumstances or situations that have happened. But yet God is with us there. Amen. Romans 8.28. I believe we, Pastor Kalai shared this last week as well, but great way to tie all of this up. Again, from the book of Romans. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. I want to share with all of us, before we go into worship, a very personal story that means a lot to me on September 11th. Um, this was, this is my mom's birthday. September 11th is my mom's birthday. She's 68 years old today. Amen? Amen. Got to spend some time with her this afternoon. Um, in terms of prisons or like just things that I was like, why is this happening why is this valley happening? So two things happened to me and our family last year. One was a mountaintop. The other was a valley. The mountaintop, actually two mountaintops really. One, my sister and her fiance got engaged. Two weeks later, Chantel and I, my wife, found out that we were pregnant. And we got to bless my mom with these amazing stories. Amazing stories. And I know I just encouraged my mom so much. Like she was smiling, 
laughing, doing all this great, you know, like mom things, you know, taking photos, posting it on Facebook. But it's like the most awkward faces of us, but she still posts it anyway. It's what moms do. Um, that happened. The mountaintop, the promotion. My sister's getting married. We're having a baby. And then two weeks after that, my mom finds out that she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. Two weeks after we shared with her that we were going to have a baby. It was rough. The mountaintop to the valley, the promotion to the pit in the prison, just like that. And it was a hard year last year. It was hard. It was so hard. Or that year, sorry, not last year, the year prior. Um, but God was faithful. Because just like how God was with Joseph, he was with us. He's, he was with my wife and I. He was with my mom. He was with my siblings. He was with our family. Many of you here prayed for my mom. Prayed for us during pregnancy. It was this weird tension of like the dreams that God had placed in my life, but then the reality of the life that I was experiencing. Like it was like this crazy tension of both. <clears throat> and I remember thinking, okay, God, like, one, am I going to get to see my mom have another birthday? Two, like, is my mom going to be able to meet her first grandchild? Like, that was the, that was my Joseph in the prison moment. God, I'm doing all the right things. I'm praying, I'm believing, sharing my faith with people, honoring God, doing all this good stuff that, man, like, that's just what we're called to do, right? Like, as believers, that's what we're called to do. And then my mom's getting treatments. She's losing her hair. She's getting frail. But God was with her. God was with me. God was with all of us because he's faithful on the mountaintop and in the valley. And there were dreams that we had to believe would come to pass. And those dreams came to pass. doesn't always. But this was just our personal journey, personal story. And the first time and this was like kind of during covid so when we brought bella home to our house my mom so like nicely yeah and and the crazy thing is she finished her cancer treatments and they did all these tests right before our daughter was born and they couldn't find any cancer and that was it was crazy but again, because of what she was going through and because of COVID, um, I remember my mom like texting me and then she's like, well, would it be okay if I came over to see Bella? I was like, yes, of course you can come and see Bella. FaceTime isn't good enough. And I remember the first time I got to, see, or my mom got to see Bella, like that was it. Like that was the dream. This was the dream that I was believing for and praying for while we were on the mountaintop and in the valley. And then it happened. This is about October 18th. And then today, September 11, 2022, we have an updated photo. She looks like me, yeah? Speaking of Bella, big old head. Anyways, this is the promise of God. This is my promise that God said would happen. And it did. Because God has great plans. He has great dreams. And we're called to live out those dreams in faithfulness. Not turning away from him when it gets hard, but trusting him in the process. 
I'm one lip quiver away from crying, by the way, so just pray that I hold it together. This photo will mean something to me for the rest of my life. I truly believe that God wants to make moments happen in our life that matter to us forever because they become proof that God is faithful. They become proof that he is with us. They become proof that he can do wonderful things. Like, you don't know how many times I cried. But God was with me in those moments. And he's been with many of us in those moments too. And he wants to continue to be there. Because for every valley that we enter, there is a mountaintop right around the corner. And I get a mountaintop every day when I get to drop off Bella to my mom. <laughs> when she has to babysit because she's retired. And I get to drive away just for a little bit. I'm grateful for those moments. God is faithful. Amen. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, as we go into this time of worship, we are reminded of your faithfulness. Just like the story of Joseph, Lord, you gave him a dream. And although we didn't fully unpackage the dream yet, and we're still in process in this story, God, you are leading us on this journey through the story of Joseph to be reminded just how faithful you are. And I lift up every brother and sister here because I know that in a place with this many people, there are many of us, yeah, that might be on the mountaintop, but there's some of us right now that are experiencing the valley. We thought we were going to get promoted just like Joseph did, but then we got thrown into prison. And then Potiphar's wife or the sin that we turn to or the habits that we turn to that become right now so tempting. Lord, I pray that we would turn from those things and we would turn to you and we would trust the process of you stretching our faith so that you can strengthen our faith. Lord, you are the firm foundation. You are the firm foundation in the valley. You are the firm foundation on the mountaintop. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would pour out your presence. God, I pray that when we begin to stand and when we begin to sing, Lord, that there would be an elevation of faith. That even if we're in prison, that we would worship you with our hands held high in the prison. Even if we're in the pit, Lord, I pray that we would worship you with our hands held high in the pit. Lord God, I pray that we would worship you as you rightfully deserve because you are faithful and you are with us. God, I pray for an injection of faith, a reminder of faith for all of us, God, that we were made for greatness because you are great. We are destined for greatness because you are great. We are called for greatness because you are great. So God, elevate the faith tonight. And Lord, we just ask you, whatever the burdens are on our hearts, we know that you would make a way because you are a promise keeper. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen.